Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today we're going to talk about feeling like we are in a wilderness with no hope of finding our way out of this horrible place. But I'm going to do this by sharing some of my thoughts about Jesus's wilderness experience and how that can help us in our wilderness experience of child loss. In Matthew 4, we read how God spoke with an audible voice from heaven, how pleased he was with his son. We're used to hearing it quoted as, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately after that, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness. Isn't that crazy to think about? That he was led by the Holy Spirit there. Now, I'm not comparing that, that God killed our child so that he could lead us into the wilderness. That is not what happened. But I just find it interesting. And so Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness where Satan attacked him at a very weak and vulnerable time. While Jesus was there, he was without food for 40 days. Talk about being extremely vulnerable physically, emotionally, and mentally. This is when Satan came to him in full force, trying to use a time of weakness. Now, that sounds very familiar to me. And we know there were three temptations. And this first one was trying to trick Jesus into turning stones or rocks into nice, warm, fresh bread. Jesus' famous reply was letting the enemy know that God said, we need more than just earthly food to sustain us. We need the bread of life that will sustain us for the long term. You are still alive because God is sustaining you. You may be at that place where you don't want him to keep you alive. I was there myself when Becca died, so I get it. But God is life. And you being alive means that God is sustaining you, even though it may not feel like it. I know sometimes we don't feel like he's around anywhere, but sometimes God is sustaining us by just helping us take the next breath. That breath comes from God. And like I said, even if you don't want that next breath, the fact that you are still breathing and still here means that God is still sustaining you through the hurt and the darkness. He is there with you in that place. I imagine Jesus was struggling, wondering where his father was in all of this, especially knowing the Holy Spirit had led him into this wilderness, this difficult circumstance, no food for 40 days, and now here comes Satan. But I noticed that Jesus did not answer Satan based on how he felt. He answered on what he knew to be God's words. Many of us, we don't feel God's presence. We don't hear his voice because of the dark wilderness we're in. It is so hard to make our decision about where God is, not based on how we feel, but based on what God says about never leaving us or forsaking us. Now, there was nothing in the law of Moses saying that what Satan was asking Jesus to do was wrong. After all, He was within a few days of turning water into wine, so why shouldn't he turn stones into bread? The temptation of Jesus was not, you're asking me to sin in doing something that is clearly against God's ways. 
The temptation was asking Jesus to do something his own way, to meet his desires and needs instead of being led by God within the intimate relationship with his Father. I know some of you have a hard time reading your Bible now, and let me just say, maybe it's time to try again. It can be helpful to read in the book of Psalms, since David was so good at sharing from a place of rawness and how he felt in places of darkness, writing in a way we can really relate to. It's called lament, God, where are you? But then David often goes from there, from that dark, where are you, God? How long am I going to be in this place? He'll go from that place to how good God is for being with him and taking care of him and going before him while he was in that pit of despair. It's like God was there before you got there. He's with you now, and he'll be with you when you get out. And that's an incredible thing. Just like Jesus said, we are sustained by the word of God. Now, it's not always the Bible because the word of God is the written word, but it's also it comes to us in spoken words in other ways that he speaks to us. There's a rhema and there's the logos word. So if you can't seem to read your Bible yet, God will still speak to you in other ways. Ask him to open your ears to hear what he wants to say to you in the context of his heart and being in an intimate relationship with him. And that's an individual thing to each one of us. We may be in a wilderness, but God has not abandoned us there, no matter how much it may feel like it. He is with you. It is so important to be able to grab a hold of this truth. Even if you cannot see it now, even if you can't feel it now, when you get further down this road, I believe you're going to be able to look back and see that he really was with you in ways that you can't see or feel now, but you'll know it later. You'll be able to look back. Does that make sense? So now it's like the enemy thinks, okay, two can play at this game. And he starts using the scriptures himself to try to get Jesus to make a wrong choice. In Matthew 4, 6, Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him by saying, if you really are who you say you are, then prove it by jumping off this building because God says he'll send angels to keep you from getting hurt. That's my personal paraphrase of Satan quoting a verse in Psalm 91. Satan was misusing God's own word against him. And I love the answer Jesus gave. And so he threw one right back at the enemy to counter how God's word was being misused. We often find ourselves in a conflict like this about what the word of God says. The word says he's our healer. The word says he's our provider and our protector. The word says our prayers have power. The word says all it takes is a little bit of faith to make something happen. But when our child dies, none of that seems true anymore. And we struggle with praying or believing God's word anymore. Now, Satan jumps on this for us. If any of that were true, God would not have let your child die. I know we've all heard those kinds of thoughts in our head. Satan is a master at playing the if game to put doubts in our minds. He did it to the very first humans God created. Did he really say, did he really mean that? And he also tried to do that to Jesus. Why wouldn't he do it to you and me as well? Just like Jesus refuted scripture with scripture, we need to do the same. Yes, those scriptures of healing and protection are there, 
But it's also written that we're going to have trials and tribulations. There are no promises that having Jesus in our lives means that he will continually work miracles to wipe away all potential problems while we are here on this earth. Matthew 5.45 says, For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We know God's promise in Romans 8.28 says that we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. A lot of us hear that God works everything out for our good. Well, here's something to think about. Why would God promise to work things out for our good if there's never anything bad? There are good things from God still to come that you can't see yet. Do not let the enemy suck you down even further by making room for the if God really doubts, those kinds of doubts. There are counter scriptures that will strengthen you and help you and will be what you need as an anchor and speak truth and strength and peace and hope into your life. If you need to find some of those scriptures, do a search on words like rock, tower, strength, refuge, hope. Copy out a few of those verses that will help you refute the doubts that the enemy tries to tempt you with. Here's just one. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a tower of strength. The upright man runs to it and finds refuge. Now, Satan already knew without a doubt that Jesus was God's son here on earth in the flesh. And he also knew that God keeps his word. There really was nothing to prove for Jesus. But when we're in a fragile and vulnerable time in our lives, the enemy can get us to believe and do things we normally would not believe or do. If Jesus had thrown himself off the temple the way the enemy was taunting him to do, it would have been a situation of trying to force God's hand to honor that one scripture that the enemy quoted from Psalm 91 of the promise for protection. Jesus recognized that the enemy was using scripture, trying to get Jesus to manipulate God. And he responded with reminding Satan and maybe even himself. It also says not to put the Lord your God to a foolish test. And we find that in Matthew 4 verse 7. Jesus jumping off the temple would have been doing his own thing while having the presumption that God was going to send angels to catch him. We can do the same thing by holding up one or two verses to God, trying to force his hand to do what we want him to do. And we build our comfort zones so that we don't really need God in our lives. We just need him to maintain our comfort and not let anything rock our boat or let anything bad happen. By taking scripture and applying it to our expectation and believing God's going to make everything good in our eyes and keeping us in our comfort zone, this is putting God to a foolish test, and it's also manipulation. Now, there is a difference, a big difference, between standing on a promise that God has given me for a specific situation and throwing a verse in God's face to try to strong arm him to get him to do something for me. God does not manipulate us, and he can't be manipulated. Manipulation comes from the evil one. And we're on his playing field following Satan's game plan. When we use scriptures in a presumptuous way, throwing them at God, 
like Satan did with Jesus. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? We know that bailing out our kids from a bad situation is not always the best thing for them. Yes, it keeps them comfortable, but that's not what's always needed. And it's the same way. God does not always rescue us from our circumstances, no matter how dark or negative they may be. But he definitely walks with us through them. Think about that. When you have your child has done something and there are consequences, it's horrible to watch those consequences. Maybe you could have stepped in and stopped something from happening, but you knew that wasn't the right thing to do. But you're going to be with your child as they walk through that, right? And there are times, like the death of your child, that he wants to save you through it, not from it. There's a huge difference. And as he does, you have an opportunity to get to know him intimately in a much deeper way that most others are not going to get a chance to know in that way. I personally am so thankful that we serve a God who is not into manipulation and who always has our back, even when it does not serve our comfort zone. There's a larger purpose unfolding that is beyond what makes us happy or keeps us comfortable. So let's just take a minute. Holy Spirit, help us to learn to live by what God is doing, not by presumptuous faith, not by trying to manipulate him that puts us on the devil's playing field. Lord, help us to understand that you are with us. And Lord, guide us into a deeper truth of who you are. And Lord, how eventually we can even touch others with the truth of the depth of what we learn. Amen. I saw somewhere that the biblical meaning of temptation is a trial in which we have a choice of being faithful or unfaithful to God. When Jesus was here on earth, he was fully man. And like I've been talking about, he was tempted by the enemy. Every time that happened, he had the same choice we do, whether to be faithful to God or not, no matter what he was seeing or feeling. Now let's talk about this third temptation that Satan brought to Jesus in the wilderness. And this was right before Jesus started his ministry. Satan was showing him all the nations in the world telling Jesus he would hand them all over if Jesus would just bow down and worship him just this one time. I have often wondered, how is that even a temptation? Of course, Jesus is not going to bow down and worship Satan. But let's think about this. God gave this earth and everything on it to man through Adam and Eve, and man turned it over to Satan. That means this world belongs to the enemy. Jesus came to open the way for us to take it back and to walk out the kingdom of God here on earth. Now, I know that can go back to the presumptuous faith. That's right. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to be God's authority here on earth. But I don't believe that's what God wants with the kingdom. I believe God wants the kingdom to be righteousness, peace, and joy. God's kingdom is love. It's not the stuff. It's who we are. It's what we do within what happens to us. Jesus could have gotten all of this back directly from Satan without having to go through the horrific torture and being brutally murdered while carrying the guilt 
and the shame of all of our combined sins. I mean, you think about the depth of what Jesus was going to have to go through. We know he sweat drops of blood. We know he begged, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Satan was offering him another way. When I really think about it, that was quite the offer. Satan was telling Jesus, you won't have to go through all of that. You don't need to do it God's way. I'll just hand this all over to you if you just do this one thing. Satan wants you to think that you don't need God either. If God really is who he says he is, why didn't he stop your child from dying? If God is really good, why did he let this happen? What kind of a good father would do something like this to one of his kids? The enemy will try to convince you that you will do better by staying mad at God or pushing him out of your life. In other words, do it my way and I'll give you what you want. What we really want is to have our kids back, right? That's not going to happen. But God is holding our kids very safely away from the enemy. That's love. Remember, the biblical meaning of temptation is a trial in which we have a free choice of being faithful or unfaithful to God. I know we feel like God was unfaithful to us, but that's just not true. Nobody makes it out of here alive, right? And God made a way so that we'll be together again forever. The enemy wants us to believe that God has been unfaithful, that God has betrayed us. He's called the enemy for a reason, right? He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy whatever he can to make us start to doubt and believe lies about God. Those doubts will make it hard to seek for hope and strength from God and from his word. But his words are one of the greatest weapons we have against the enemy. That's the weapon Jesus himself used. So the enemy is going to sow seeds of confusion and doubt to keep you away from that weapon so that you cannot use it against him. Let me just say, the weapon of the word is just as powerful in your hands. Use the right way as it was for Jesus while you are in the wilderness of grief. And do not let the enemy convince you otherwise. I'm going to close this part out right now with Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words are what sustain me. They are food to my hungry soul. They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. I know I've been talking about it a lot lately, but it has been such a huge project. And I have put so much time and effort into it to give you and other perievers another tool or resource. And that's my newly released book, Reflections of Hope, Daily Readings for Bereaved Parents. You may not be surprised, but what I shared today just now was a combination of four readings from this book. So even though the book is big, you can see the readings are rather short if I just did four of them in this amount of time. It is daily readings, but please don't feel like if I missed a day, if I missed a week, if I missed two or three months that I'm behind, you don't have to feel like you have to read it every day. You just pick it up and you read the day that you're on and get hope and encouragement and nourishment, whatever you need for that day. If you want to know more about it, go to gpshope.org reflections. Let me say if you want to order from Amazon, at least right now as I'm recording this, 
they've sold out and they're working on getting more in. And right now it looks like it will arrive to you in mid to late June. Sorry about that. As far as I know, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and Walmart, places like that do have it in stock, so you can get it in other places. If you already have the book, would you please do me a huge favor and post a rating and a review on Amazon or wherever you purchase the book? We all know how often we look to see what others have to say about a product or a book before we purchase it. So you will be helping out others who see this book, they're trying to decide whether or not to get the book, you can encourage them that this is a, yes, get this book. Plus, the more reviews a book has, the more Amazon pushes it forward to those who are doing a search for something like this. So it'll help more, more perivers find it. So thank you for just taking a few minutes and doing that. I also want to remind you that in July, we still have one room left for our GPS Hope and Healing Retreat in Virginia. You can find out more about that at gpshope.org slash retreat. And last thing, there are only 11 cabins left at the reduced price for the grief cruise. Now, I know a lot of you have registered. You've asked for information. You've even said you're going, but you have yet to put the deposit down on your room. Don't lose it, okay? This is a grief seminar or conference. It's on board the Royal Caribbean ship Wonder of the Seas. This is an eight-night cruise to the Eastern Caribbean, and it's October 1st through the 8th. There's going to be around 100 of us in this, so it's a really nice size group. And they're all with various losses, and we're going to have our own track, our own workshops here and there, just for bereaved parents. The seminar is being held on the days we're out to sea, so you won't miss any ports. This is a great combination of relaxation, fun, support, workshops, hanging out with those who get it, and you'll get to spend a week with Dave and I in a wonderful atmosphere. So don't put it off if you're interested. Go to gpshope.org cruise to find out more. Remember, there's only 11 more cabins left at the really greatly reduced price. I think it's like $1,100 off a cabin right now by booking it right now with these reserved rooms. And if you go to that website, gpshope.org slash cruise, you can also watch a video highlight of the last cruise. Now, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to all of the things that I've just mentioned. I know I just threw like four different things at you just now. Let's go ahead with our birthday segment. Mark Sarendolo was born on May 7th and is forever 49. Michael Slater was born on May 8th and is forever 26. Sarah Wilbur was born on May 10th and is forever 34. We celebrate the day these children came into the world. We know it will always be an important and special day. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that and share your child with the other listeners. Just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill in that information, including the pronunciation of your child's name to make sure I get it right if it's a name sometimes that gets messed up. Submit it and we will add your child to the birthday segment the week of his or her birthday. Dave will also send you a reminder email to listen 
And I will also add, once your child is announced, they get taken off the list. Now, Dave tells you this in the email that he sends, and so if you want them announced the next year, you need to go back in and add them to the list, and he gives you a link right there in the email so you can add them for the following year. We do this because the list can get so long, and after a while, you don't need us anymore, fortunately, and so you stop listening, and so we're listing all these children. So we want to make sure the list stays current with the listeners who are listening. The Holy Spirit is with you in your wilderness, just like he was with Jesus. Do not choose to live by your feelings while you're in this difficult, dark place. Choose to live by what God says, whether you can feel it is true in your darkness or not. He says he is with you. He is your refuge. He is your comfort. He is your peace. He is your hope. He is your high tower. He is your anchor and he will bring you out. Stand your ground and choose to remain faithful to God. Make that choice to be faithful to him by continuing to hang on to the promises with everything you've got. And sometimes I know that's not much, but hang on to the promises of his faithfulness. You will have a life of meaning and purpose again. And this is not in spite of your child's death, but it's because of his or her life and because of God's faithfulness to you. So hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.